interrupt this program to bring you a special report. My fellow Kaniacs, I come to you today asking for forgiveness. Yesterday, before Puck Drop in Columbus, I made a mistake. And I tweeted out the following statement. If the Canes win tonight, it will be the first time they've gone undefeated in the preseason. I cannot tell you how heartbroken I am to have hurt our fan base, my family, and my friends. I can promise you that this will be used as a learning experience and that it should never happen again. Thank you for understanding. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. 9,393 days of frustration and on the 9394th day of NHL existence, the Carolina Hurricanes, the Whaler organization till 97, have won the Stanley Cup. So, I 100% accept the fact that I jinxed the Buffalo game. Just, I'll, I'll say it. Okay, that's a little harsh. It was a preseason game, but I understand the frustration. Uh, let's get into the actual show. So the first game we're going to talk about is, of course, Columbus coming to PNC. And I did not do a post-game show after this because, eh, honestly, it wasn't needed. I'm going to be 100% honest there. But I do feel like everyone deserves to hear what happened post-game. So I will still do post-game comments and whatnot, talk about the overall aspect of the game. Actually, I won't. We dumpstered the Columbus Blue Jackets AHL team and prospects. That was 100% expected. But in doing that, we did get to see Brett Bourne score again, which still means better than TDA, but not the point. Uh, let's get into postgame. Actually, before I get that far, I should say that the Hurricanes won 8-1, complete domination. Uh, pretty much everyone touched on the score sheet. Brett Burns had three points with one goal to assist. Ryan Dezingle had two assists. Derek Stepan had two goals and one assist. Uh, Jarvis had two assists. Like, everyone. Slavin got an assist. Natchez had four points, I want to say. Kak and Yemi had two points. Everyone touched on the score sheet. It was a good game. It was, it was entertaining to be a Hurricanes fan. But nothing happened that was not expected. But now let's actually get into the postgame. And postgame was actually a little bit dry, if I'm going to be honest. Rod gave us quite a bit, but Rod always gives us credit a bit. But the players, which was Brett Burns and Martin Natchez, a bit dry. And it's nothing against them. It's that they just dumpstored uh, prospects. And there was nothing like, you know, oh, you know, next time we get out there. No, there was, you, you, you won't see most of these players again this season. Like, it is what it is. Uh, but they, they did each have a couple of things I thought was worth going over. And we're going to start with Brett Barnes talking about the power play. With the system and the way things are, can we expect to see you a lot, uh, see you light up the power play uh, a lot more like you did tonight? Well, I, I mean, they're, they're coming from good, from good players making great plays, you know, that are just, it's, it's fun to be part of. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a... That's the goal. You, you want to do, you want you want to do it every time, and not going to happen. You, you want to build towards it and get chemistry, and um, you know, figure out little plays where it becomes second nature, and it just takes time. And um, but I've said it before, the, the talent level of those guys, and, and they want to, they have that killer instinct, and and they work for it, and it's so it makes it a lot easier on the D, and and the D know they have that support. It's it's 
it's fun. It's fun to be part of. First, I I like that he said that they have a killer instinct, mainly because that's just a player saying that. They they don't. They like to pass. If they could just simply put pucks on the net, we would have been Stanley Cup champions already. But not my point. Uh, our power play has been our Achilles. Is it is it too soon to talk about an Achilles because of Pacioretty? Yeah, it doesn't matter. The, our power play has been our Achilles. We are dominant, and I mean absolutely dominant on the penalty kill. But our power play has always been so-so. Even under Rod, which I know, how dare I, but even under Rod, it's been so-so. Even early last, so the first half of last season, statistically, we were one of the better power plays in the league. On paper, our power play was quite good. But when you were watching it, and I said this at the time, it just didn't, it didn't pass the eye test. There was a lot of miscommunication, or we we could get in the zone, but we never really set up the play. There was just a lot of passing back and forth, which I realize is needed to try to generate the space you need to get a shot, a good shot on net, and you don't want to waste the opportunity. But at the same point, the job is to put the biscuit in the basket, and we just didn't do that often. But this preseason, and again, giant asterisk preseason here, our power play has been good. So, you know, maybe we figure the power play out. We win the division three years in a row. Knock on wood. Go on a run. Maybe pick up a President's Trophy. Make a deep run into the playoffs. Maybe a Conference Trophy. Maybe the Stanley Cup. I don't know. We'll find out. And It doesn't all hinge on the power play working out, but that's going to be a really big piece. Getting goals, period, is going to be a really big piece of us actually being competitive and us actually, you know, beating Sestorkin, who we could have beaten. If we, you know, scored, if we score three more goals, we beat the Rangers. That's 100% true. We score three more goals, we beat the Rangers, and we just kind of get it done. Moving on to Martin Natchez, this first soundbite is him talking about how it felt to get a couple points. And by a couple, I mean four. And apparently he scored, I mean, he got three points in a matter of five minutes, which, that's good. Preseason, but that's good. Uh, and Martin Natchez, for those who don't know, struggled last season, but with a new contract in hand, he's on a redemption path. This is what he had to say. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. I mean, uh, it's just a preseason, but uh, obviously every time you score, uh, things going well, it, uh, you know, it feels good. But, uh, you know, it's more about to get in the game, and uh, if the goals are there, it's perfect. But, uh, it's going to be there in the league. It's the last time you had three points in, like, five minutes. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know if I ever had an NHL, but just like I said, it's preseason. I would rather save it for the... For a season, you know, but uh, it's uh, it's good to have these moments. I said in the last episode, and it remains true, and I don't mean to overstate it, but the hope is that these goals for people like Natchez, or these points for Natchez, I should say, and um, Coglin, who is, well, we'll get to Coglin, uh, and Svechnikov, who didn't not have a bad year last year, but you can see that he's not at his full potential yet. So you're hoping that these preseason successes will carry through to the regular season and their confidence levels. And that's really all we can hope for. Because it's meaningless. I don't know. I'm going to be honest. So the Hurricanes used to take a lot of junk for not playing enough preseason games. And then this year, we had more than we've had in like five or six years. And I, I'm good. 
four games seems perfect to me. Five, five is good. Because five, five is good. Going into the fifth game, I was like, okay, more hockey. But with four, it leaves you wanting just a little bit more. But then look, it's the regular season. Everything's great. Six is uh, too many. <laughs> uh, I, could, I, I would say that six, six would be entirely too many. But five was fine. But four would be great. Weird soapbox for me to stand on. But now we're going to transition to Rod Brennamore, who actually had quite a few good things to say. Well, not the good. Just play the audio. Is it nice to have those tough decisions? Because a few years ago, I mean, it was yeah. pretty cut and dry. I mean, that's well, thing. you'd rather have the, the options than not, you know. I mean, sometimes it's a lot easier the other way um, because you just you don't really have much choice. And But when you have, you know, a lot of good options, uh, the hard part is that there's going to be a lot of, you know, there's going to be some guys that, you know, assume, you know, be disappointed on what's going on, and they they did very right to be here. It's just we have numbers. So um, that's, that's where the tough tough decisions will come in. Chip Alexander then asked Rod if his fifth, sixth, and seventh defensemen were set in his head. And Rod's answer is classy. I'll admit that. And you'll you'll hear it in a second. And I, I believe it to be classy. But I also don't believe it. And I'll explain why afterwards. Everything's kind of still open. We, I, I really wanted to make sure I didn't make any judgments until everything was done. You know, give everyone a fair shake and get a real good assessment, you know, with the staff. Everybody just... Let's just take it easy, get through camp as far as decision-making, and then, you know, get the big picture. To be clear, I 100% do not think that Brindamore is lying here. I would never accuse him of lying in Rodri Trust. But there is no way in his head he doesn't already know who he wants. Now, you know, maybe if someone has a terrible performance in this new game or there's an injury, which we will get to, uh, you know, Things will change, and that's why you don't want to make cuts after one preseason game. Imagine, imagine they traded Bear three days ago, and then Coughlin gets uh, taken out of a game with an injury. Well, shoot! I just can't believe that Rod. Like, I don't know. This is a coach's answer. Well, you know, I haven't made any decisions yet. Come on, yeah, okay. You haven't told anyone yet, or you haven't informed the players yet. But there is no way that he's not sitting there with. Tim Gleason, like, yeah, so Chaffield, Coughlin, DeHaan. This all makes sense. We we trade Bayer, but whatever. Like, there's no way that conversation hasn't already happened. But I digress. Speaking of Ethan Bayer, Rod was asked about how Bayer is shaping up in the preseason and if this year should be a fresh start for him after his COVID-stricken season. What's done is done. We don't look in the past. We were looking forward and... Guys get a clean slate every time they come in camp. Obviously, the guys that you know, you know, you take the good, <laughs> you know what they're about, so you kind of have a better picture, but everyone starts fresh. To kind of break up the games in this episode, I'm going to talk about two subjects just super duper quickly. One is a mailbag type interview that Walter Ruff had with Don Waddell during the forced intermission of the game against Columbus at PNC. And then the second one, I'm going to very lightly touch on Stadium Series tickets again. This will be the last time I talk about it unless something drastic happens until this game actually happens. Because at this point, it's just stupidly frustrating. But we're going to go straight to this mailbag. And the first thing I want to talk about was the, the question is, how proud are you that the Canes have become a destination? 
I think it speaks volumes to what we are building here. There are more players that would like to come here, but we have the salary cap to work around. We are certainly going to keep trying to bring the best players that we can here, so that we can keep this a place that players want to play. I think this clearly is pointing in the direction of Brett Burns and Max Pacioretty. They both have modified no-trade clauses. I believe Burns is three names, and Pacioretty was 10 or 12, something like that. And they, I, I, I mean, I don't know what's on the list. We will never know the teams on the list. But I, they had to agree. Like, at some point, they had to be like, yeah, Caroline's worth it for them to be traded here. And that means something. For a very long time, you could not get any big free agents. I mean, what, like Ron Francis. That is our biggest free agent signing of all time. And that had nothing, well, I shouldn't say had nothing to do with Carolina. But it had a lot to do with this is the franchise that drafted Ron Francis. This is where he made his name before going off to Pittsburgh to win his cups and come back before retiring. It means something that these players want to come here. It means something that they, they think we can win. Like the Brett Burns is here because he doesn't have a cup yet. His contract ends in three years. He'll be 40 years old. And I'm not going to say that's old for the people listening, but he wants his cup. He doesn't have many more go-arounds left. He wants his cup, so he came here to try to get it. And that means something. The next question he was asked that I thought was interesting is, it's the team's 25th anniversary season, and we've already seen some reveals. The logo at center ice and the vintage-inspired red uniforms. What else are you looking forward to celebrating this year? We have a lot of things planned, things that Mike Foreman doesn't want me to reveal just yet. But we're very excited about them and think our fans will be too. We have a big surprise to reveal in a couple of weeks, and it's something that our fans have asked for for a long time. I'll leave it at that. God, you know, it's just, just, just spoil the beans, man. So Mike Foreman is the chief marketing officer for the organization. But what is he going to do? Fire Don Waddell? That's not how that works. Come on, Don. Spill the tea. Uh, You know, just some speculation things here. Maybe this is the creation of the... Hurricanes Hall of Fame. I heard that was coming. That's why I stopped uh, pushing for it over the summer. It could also be, I don't know, a player retirement. Maybe they're finally going to hang Cam in the rafters. If the PTO doesn't go well for Eric in Florida, maybe him as well. It obviously is about the 25th anniversary in some way. It's going to be celebrating the heritage and history of the team in some way. But we won't know for at least a couple more weeks. The last question I want to share, and this is nowhere near all of them, by the way, so you should still go read the article. Again, link in the description. How much of the NHL general manager's job is proactive versus reactive? I would say about 80% of the job is proactive. Our hockey operations staff does a tremendous job preparing for the draft, free agency, when trades come up. I really feel like it benefits you to be proactive because... Then you can take advantage of situations when you are prepared. The other side of it, though, is that you do have to be aware of what's going on around you. Donald Riddell is nothing if not good at knowing what's going on around him. It was knowing that Vegas would be way fucked on their cap situation thanks to Jack Eichel that got us Max Bacioretty and Dylan Coughlin for what can only be described as literally nothing. By the way, someone wore a uh, Future Considerations jersey to the Columbus game and just 
Chef's kiss. That what 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 a good choice by you. But now my point is that Don Riddell has always been good at knowing what's going on around him. I mean, Florida was ready to give up on Vinny Trocheck because I mean he had broken both legs. Like I get that, but Waddell knew what was going on, took a chance, and Trocheck worked out for us really well until we let him walk in free agency. But whatever, we won't go there. Uh. The next thing we're going to dive into just really, really quick is the Stadium Series tickets. I have a lot. I have a lot to go on on this one. Uh, first, there is no one in this situation who is not blameless. Yes, the team could be better at communicating this. And I have personally reached out to Comet from multiple people within the organization and their uh, PR staff, and I've gotten nothing back, which is disappointing. But at the end of the day, this is a league event. That does not wash the organization's hands. They could still be handling this better, but it is a league event. Ticket sales are run through the league office. So at the end of the day, if you want to be upset with anyone, be upset with Gary Bettman and his staff. But I am so tired of season ticket members whining about it. I'm so sorry. Like it, There was no love loss here for me, guys. You're a season ticket member. I get that. You do deserve to be celebrated for being a season ticket member. You are the backbone of the team's operations. But you are not the end-all, be-all fan. I 100% understand how frustrating it is to be told something and then that not to be the case literally the day before your tickets go on sale. But I'm seeing people complain. They're like, why, why did I even get season tickets this year if I'm not going to be able to buy tickets for the stadium series? What? That's not that's not a thing. Like every season ticket member is going to have an opportunity to buy tickets to this game. So stop complaining about it. Is it gonna be as many as maybe you wanted? No. Is it unfair that full season ticket members got to buy more tickets than partial season ticket members? Eh. I mean, I see both sides of the argument, if I'm gonna be hundred percent honest. I can see that if you're paying if you if you have two seats on the club level for 22 out of the 41 home games, yeah, you're probably paying more than someone in section 313 in the nosebleeds, all the way at the top. But they're also a full season ticket member. You know, they're paying for 41 games. They're going to go see the Coyotes come to town on a random Tuesday and go to that game. So do they deserve to be able to buy eight tickets and bring all their friends with them to the stadium series game? Yes and no. Like I, I can see, I can see both sides on that one. I honestly can. But the partial season ticket members who are complaining, like, oh well, you know, what about the guy who just bought one seat, never goes to any games, and then bought eight seats to go sell and make money off of? I mean, I don't think that's happened. I'm going to be hundred percent honest. And I, I, I've looked, and there were definitely six seats together for the stadium series. But there isn't some scalper who bought a season ticket member plan for one seat in several different sections of the arena to flip the uh, stadium series tickets. That did not happen. And I, I don't know, guys. I'm, I'm, my problem with this is, is, is it's people who have more money than the average fan complaining that they can't get more out of their money. As a season ticket member, you're entitled to quite a bit, actually. You get discounts on merchandise and concessions. You get to go to exclusive uh, STM events. First of all, you get early access to the yard sale, which, trust me, is stupid valuable. 
you get to go to the Paint the Ice event at the end of the year. They're finally returning to pre-COVID things. So, like, they brought the fan tunnel back. That's a season ticket member exclusive. They're going to bring back some type of fan interaction. I don't know if it's going to be Conceito Night again, but they're going to bring back these events that had to be canceled because of COVID. And you're going to see so much more interaction. So the idea that a season ticket member is complaining that they could only buy so many tickets is absurd to me. Like, if, if you're a flex member, which means you, you don't have tickets to all 41 games, it's it's an 11-game package or a 21-game package, right? I think there's, like, a six-game package, too. Like, there's a, a, there's a small one. And you're upset because you only got to buy as many tickets as your plan had on it. I got to be honest, I it, it doesn't bother me. So, PNC Arena has, like, 19,000 seats in it. 19,800, I think. Carter-Finley Stadium holds close to 60,000 people. It's literally three times the size with just the seats. That does not include the general admission standing room that will be on the field. I'm sure those will be terrible, like, actual seats to have. You won't be able to watch the game, really. But that will be even more people. So there will be 60,000-plus people attending this game. There was almost no chance that if you want to go to this game, you won't be able to. If you wait until February 2nd, it's going to be stupid expensive. That's just the way these events always work. But if you're patient and you wait your turn, you can go buy general admission tickets. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't necessarily be upset about the miscommunication. People who plan to bring friends and family to the game and now can't, that sucks. But you could also flip your tickets and go buy other tickets. I don't know. It just seems really out of touch to me that season ticket members are complaining about this. And I, like, I understand it's unfortunate, but at the same time, you're not that special. And this is not the end-all, be-all of your season ticket membership. And if it was, I especially don't care then. But let's get into the game in Buffalo, which, again... My fault. Totally jinxed it. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go over each thing here. I do wanna listen to Rod's pre-game uh press availability, mainly because there wasn't a post-game press availability, at least not that was made public. And then I'll talk about general themes from the game. You said it's easier when you're maybe a little overmatched to see which guys kinda rise yeah, up. Right? Exactly. I mean you can see who even the other night you can tell, you know, when we have our top guys against their not top guys, it looks a certain way, and it, it you know it can look the other way too. And uh, but if, if you know if it doesn't, you know then that's that's a pretty good sign. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll I'm sure we'll get some good uh, good looks tonight and good ideas after this game. Rod was then asked about his timeline on when a final roster would be set, and I expect I don't know them to take their time. You know, I mean, you have seven days here. No one's going to miss anything, really, from whichever club they're going to if you keep them an extra week. But I'm not an NHL head coach, and this is what Rod said. I think I'd like to just have it done so we can move forward, you know. Um, but I, having said that, it it's, it's, could be even harder after tonight, so we don't want to make any rush decisions, you know. But uh, I think it's tough to make it or not make a team in practice, you know what I mean? So the games, that's our last game, and, you know, that, that definitely holds more weight. There was a couple of players who went into this game looking for their NHL job. 
more than a couple of them. Well, I shouldn't go that far. There was a number of them. I'm not going to say it was a big number. It was a small number. Who made sure that they were not going to get that job. Uh, Rod Brindamore was asked what he was going to use this game for. Was he going to put people in different situations that they hadn't been in yet? Give them one final look? This is what he had to say. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm not... This is more tonight. It's probably more watching individuals and than watching. You know, I don't expect our system to be great just because it's, it's we have all young kids for the most part. Um, you know, or it's it's kind of a game for me to just we're getting looks at to your question earlier, a couple guys and making assessment after that. Did Rod just do what I think he just did? Let's listen to that again. You know, I don't expect our system to be great just because it's, it's, we have all young kids for the most part. Yep, that's exactly what I thought he did. That's what we in the business like to call foreshadowing, ladies and gentlemen, because our systems were not great. And the Hurricanes would lose 4-2. And honestly, the third period wasn't that bad. The, the You know, they came back to life. But we're going to look at the fourth period first. Uh, before anything, I saw a couple people trying to blame Kochekov for what happened in that first period, and if you did that, I I mean, dude, you should just don't say anything for a little while. Just watch hockey. Because <laughs> that's not what happened. I, I don't blame Kochekov for any of those three goals, if I'm going to be 100% honest. Uh, the first one, I, I mean, they're right in front of your net. What are you going to do? The second one, the guy beats Bear cleanly to get a breakaway, and then he tries for the uh, poke check, misses it, the guy has a wide open net. But he he committed to the poke check, which I would rather than him not making a decision and then getting beat glove high or whatever. But we did not play well in that first period, and it was Buffalo's NHL lineup. It was most of the players you saw on the ice will be on Buffalo's opening night roster. But should we have beaten them? Yeah, sure, whatever. I mean, I would have liked to. We beat Florida's. Why can't we beat Buffalo's? In fact, beating Florida kind of tells me that we should have beat Buffalo. But some dingbat put out a tweet about how they had never gone undefeated in the preseason before. So, whatever. Uh, ultimately, there were people who cost themselves jobs. And I'm not going to get into that because there's no need to. If you watch the game, you already know who. And if you didn't, well, you'll see the transactions soon, whether they get assigned to the um, minor league team or whether they get traded in the coming weeks. To touch on Dylan Coughlin being taken out of the game um, for a, quote, upper body injury, according to Kane's PR, I 100% think this is the same thing that happened with Brett Pesci. It was just precautionary. The game doesn't matter. Why stress the player? If anything, that's this tells me that Coughlin has definitely made the lineup uh, and they protected him. It is what it is. There wasn't really anything else major to come out of it. Again, randomly, there was no press availability from Buffalo, which is strange. They they normally still have press availability, but whatever. I thank you for listening. Next week, we are going to have a couple of guests on talking about different things. Uh, it will, we will also be releasing the episode on opening night. Next Wednesday is opening night. So if you're listening to this, you either have seven days or less before opening night. I know. It's exciting. Things are happening. Uh, hold on. I, how do I always forget? It's funny that I chose this, and I somehow always forget to do it at the end of the show. Uh, yeah, so anyways, 
the next time you hear us will be on opening night. I will be at the game. Hopefully you will be too. Thank you, as always, so much for listening. Please share the show with your friends, whether it's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, I don't know, whatever you're doing. Just share it with a friend. Uh, thank you again for the continued support. As always, there is a link in the description of this to our link tree, which has everything you would possibly need to be able to support the show. There is also a link to the Don Waddell mailbag I quoted from earlier. I hope everyone enjoys their week, and let's go Canes!